This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Welcome to Woe, Women On Air, a podcast celebrating and championing women who are taking risks, making waves and challenging the status quo in their fields. Join me as I interview women making their mark in communities all over New Zealand. They're innovators, leaders, changemakers, creatives, movers and shakers and general boat rockers. Listen in as we get exclusive intel about the successes, the speed bumps, the tangents and the tips that got these amazing women to where they are today. All right, welcome to this episode of Woe. This morning I have with me Liesl Mitchell, coffee drinker, conversationalist and self-professed people geek. As a human with a passion for communication and a long relationship with education, both teaching and learning. She was the quintessential anti-business, anti-capitalist BA grad who went from high school teacher of English and performing arts to ESOL teacher in South Korea to researcher and postgrad student of peace and conflict studies. Nobody was more surprised than Liesl when she found herself in the startup business world in 2017. As a prop tech startup founder, Liesl discovered an interest in business and gravitated to the Dunedin startup community at the shared office space Petridish. During her three years at Petridish, Liesl became a business mentor, founder of her own company, The Think Lab, and was appointed head of culture in 2020. Liesl deliberately moved to Wellington in February 2021 with no job and enough money to last six weeks, feeling it was time to shake things up and to give herself another challenge. That opportunity has been realised, working with Aotearoa's first wellbeing gym, The Well, in the heart of the capital. At 47, Liesl feels like she is just hitting her stride and discovering her potential. Thank you for joining me today, Liesl. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to see you and and share this time with you, Rowan. <laughs> yeah, it is really nice, especially given the um, you know current circumstances as we're recording this being in level four lockdown. Good times. Yeah, yeah, not ideal, but it gives us lots of time for these kinds of conversations, which is lovely. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't realise that um, when you moved to Wellington, that it really was just an absolute fresh start for you um I didn't realize you didn't have anything sort of on the books ready to go so that's um a real leap of faith you know backing yourself kind of situation isn't it yeah I guess it's one of those situations that people look at and either think you're a little bit crazy or a little bit um courageous and I like to think that uh yeah it's a risk it's a risk that you take with a little bit of calculation behind it but um yeah I I decided I needed a a fresh sort of page and another challenge mm. well I'm really impressed that takes a lot of a lot of guts and uh, so how are you finding Wellington it's um it's I love Wellington it's like a big Dunedin in lots of ways which is where I came from so um and it's where I was born which is a nice sort of place to it's a place I think I come back to which is a lovely sort of feeling but uh it's just got a lovely energy to it and I'm really enjoying the opportunities that it's been giving me oh that's really great to hear that's awesome um so i mean let's just get right into this then and um (laughs) do the do hit rewind and uh, start at the beginning and maybe you could tell me about your childhood so i take it you grew up in wellington possibly um but yeah what were you like (laughs) as a child and what was childhood like for you 
Great. Um, yeah, I was born in Wellington and I lived here till I was five um, in Karori. So I uh, have memories of Cuba Mall actually going to a lovely Chinese restaurant. I think it was our one big like takeout wonderful meal for, you know, that you'd go to a restaurant um, and just being transfixed by the bucket fountain, which I'm still transfixed <laughs> by as an adult. <laughs> um, so lived here and then moved to the United States, to California when I was six or five, six, and lived there for a couple of years uh, while my parents were doing study, post-grad study, mm. and then back to Auckland, so we came back to New Zealand then, so a bit of travel in my childhood, I guess, is what I'm alluding to there. I uh, lived in Auckland till I was 14, and then moved to Dunedin um, halfway through sort of my second year of high school, I guess, and Dunedin sort of became, I guess, the base for where I've kicked off from since. Uh, yeah, so my parents were both ministers, so that provided a... My mum wasn't actually a minister when I was younger, but it was growing up in a house where your friends would say things like, is it okay to, you know, like, um, you know, say bad things at your house? Or um, will there be lots of pictures of Jesus on the walls at your house? <laughs> yeah, growing up a minister's kid was, was interesting. There weren't pictures of Jesus on the walls, just to let you know. But, um, yeah, it was an interesting upbringing. Lots of travel, lots of people. Wow. Lots of um, social interaction, I guess. We were socialised, my sister and I, really well with lots of different groups of people. And yeah, in America, we lived sort of in Long Beach, California, and in a city sort of, um, yeah, sort of apartment, which was a total change up from Wellington in the 1980s, early 80s, late 70s sort of idea. So yeah, just a lot of, a lot of social sort of experiences, I think, as a child. Mm. Right. And um, what was high school like for you then, coming back to Dunedin? Yeah, I think um, I'd left a really great group of friends in Auckland, so it was a, it was a it was a hard move, I guess, in some ways at age fourteen. But my my mum would say, yeah, I moved with this idea of oh my gosh, I'm so like looking forward to just making a whole new group of friends, it'll be amazing. And she was like, you know, it might not be easy right away. And I was like, no, it'll be fine. I'm just going to slide on it and just, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. But um, I think I actually ended up with an amazing group of friends in Dunedin as well. And uh, the school that I went to was really progressive and open. And I still have this this wonderful group of friends to this day that we still close and connected from that time in my life. So yeah, it was a really special high school experience. I had a good high school experience, which is not everybody's experience. I feel quite lucky. Yeah. Oh, that sounds really awesome. That's cool. And mm. and so what did you think you wanted to do while you're at high school? What were your plans? What were you imagining your future looking like? Yeah, that's always such a tricky question. I think and even when I was a yeah, when I was a kid and I was a teenager and people would say, What do you want to do? And I'd be like well, I don't know, like, uh, it would be, I think my initial question was, my initial answer was usually, I want to be a rock star, I want to be the, the centre of attention, um, whatever that looks like. Um, I think I've never really been a person with a lot of, I guess, yeah, a lot of kind of goal-oriented sort of outcome focus. It's more like, is it fun right now? Yes, keep going then, <laughs> keep doing that. So, I mean, I went to university with art history, as my major. Why? Because I really liked art history at high school, not because I had any idea what I'd do with that or what would come out of that. So I guess I'm a, 
I, yeah, looking to the future, people sort of often asked if I'd be a teacher. My, my mother was a teacher um, initially, and I come from a sort of family of teachers. And mm-hmm. so my reaction was always, never. I will never become a teacher. Hell no. Of course, what did I end up doing? I um, became a teacher. So <laughs> Sometimes... <laughs> You shouldn't. You should be careful what you are, what you say no to. I guess, but yeah, I um, yeah, I never really knew what I wanted to do. I just knew that I actually really liked people, and everything that I wanted to do needed to be to do with people. Yeah. 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 I've, I guess I've learned over my time as well never to say never because. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like life's funny <laughs> like that. Bites you. Yeah. Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. And so. Um, mm. Tell me then, because you had you you were teaching, but you you do have an MA, or you, did you go back and get your MA in Peace and Conflict Studies at Otago? Yeah, that came later um, after I taught for a number of years. I taught for a year in New Zealand as a high school teacher um, once I'd trained, and then um, ended up taking sort of time out, I guess, from teaching, reevaluating what I wanted to do moved back to Wellington. This is where I sort of feel like Wellington's my space I come to when I'm making new decisions in my life or something. It's my, uh, yeah, my my home spot that I come back to. And um, from that point, I started to, I started learning Taekwondo. Mm. And um, as you do, you know, just <laughs> took up Taekwondo and <laughs> had no idea where Taekwondo was from. And then I realized it was a Korean martial art and started to see ad- advertisements around the place that were like for English teachers in Korea. And I was like, well, I'm an English teacher and I'm studying Taekwondo, which is from Korea. So clearly something is telling me to go to Korea. So I remember ringing my parents who were living in Sydney at the time. And I said, um, I'm thinking of moving to Korea. And they were like, go for it. And I thought, oh, well, if my parents think it's a great idea, then it must be a great idea, because I thought they'd be the ones that might say, oh, what are you even thinking? <laughs> Why Korea? So, yeah, I started applying for jobs and got a job as an English teacher in Korea. So, yeah, that sort of took me off in that direction, um, launched me into teaching in Korea. So I taught there for about eight years and then came back to New Zealand, actually with the intention of doing an MA in um English teaching as a second language and then heading back to Korea. So had a wonderful plan. So this is what happens. You make a plan. Mm. Did it work out? No. I, <laughs> I came back and discovered peace and conflict studies had just opened at Otago. It was a totally new discipline being offered through the, the university. And it just ticked all my boxes in terms of interests. And I thought, oh, well, I want to do that. So that was in 2010, I think, that I went back to university and um, did that did that course wow and yes. so all of those yeah big plans to return to Korea just um, you know did you put them on hold did they kind of just fade away and they were kind of uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> they they percolated there for a while and then um, as often can happen I, I met someone we got into a relationship we bought a house together we had a cat you know suddenly there was like a lot of um, <laughs> things that <laughs> meant I wasn't going back to Korea yeah so yeah for a while there it was a bit of a oh I, I was planning to go back like what happened to that and and weirdly uh, you know quite a 
quite a difficult sort of parting from Korea because it was very much part of my sort of heart, I guess. And mm. uh, so re re-establishing and re-rooting myself in, in Dunedin was quite a, it was a real uh, reverse culture shock and a reverse sort of like, I guess, um, re-planning again, saying, oh no, that's not going to be my, my next sort of five years or whatever it is. So I think it's helped teach me that idea of... Um, good you know it's good to have plans but equally it's really good to be able to say oh maybe those plans aren't aren't the plans that are going to take place this time yeah (laughs) and being able to sort of pivot or be flexible Mm. yeah that word pivot's a real um that's real startup word isn't it isn't it so tell me then let's just segue nicely into um you telling us about then the startup scene in Dunedin um and what you know what led you into that space yeah well like it said in the bio there I just had no idea I would ever end up in a space like that um and yeah I really was very anti-business in a you know wrongly I had this sort of idea that business was all about capitalism and it was just evil and um, so I stayed well away from anything to do with making money which was really just ignorant I think and not <laughs> surprised so um, yeah I, I've always been a real ideas person and um, I was just talking idea that I guess could have been a business idea that I spoke to someone who had a business background ground and they said well why don't we do this together would you like to see where this goes and I was like oh well yeah why not and out of that sort of idea German germ the germ of an idea and um, someone that said yes this sounds like a fun idea let's take it further let's make it into a business it was just as simple as that I kind of went oh this is fun this whole business idea um, of taking something that you think might work and building it up into something quite viable. And from that sort of point, we found a space at Petri Dish and um, who were amazing sponsors of new fresh ideas and so supportive of connecting you to different parts of the Dunedin startup community and um, just all these wonderful people in the building that had so much expertise in different um, aspects of business that I was suddenly in this like petri dish literally (laughs) this sort of incubator of um (laughs) great ideas and generosity and sort of um just a real buzz of energy that i'd always looked for in academia because i guess i've been an ideas person thinking right you explore ideas through learning and uh had probably been disappointed by academia so moving into this strange wonderful world of business that i thought was never going to be for me, uh, I actually found sort of a, a real community of people that I could relate to. And yeah, it was a very exciting space to move into. Yeah, I mean, I was lucky enough to also visit Petri Dish a few times and um, places like that, those um, collaborative workspaces where, um, you know, people kind of rub up against each other and and ideas spark off each other is such an invigorating place to be. I always found it so, um, you know, energy filling walking into that space. And, um, you know, and I hadn't even thought about, you know, the existence of those places before either. And I'd been um, working up the hill as a teacher and, you know, coming coming down from where I was working into that space. It's just a whole other world, isn't it, Um, Mm. in there, you know. And and, what would you say are some of the 
qualities of a successful entrepreneur um, if you're thinking about the kinds of people who are in those spaces and people who are trying to start up or or have started up their own businesses what what do they share what strengths do they have do you think uh, that's a very good question and I won't even pretend to have the answers but I guess from my own observations yeah uh, I think there's got to be a real willingness to collaborate at some level it's a funny mix because I think you've got to be really um, tenacious uh, willing to sort of work hard and push your own sort of um, I guess idea to its to its limit at some level but equally being just as willing to hear when it's not working so that sort of collaborative I guess collaboration is what I go to because I think the bigger you can make your idea by joining other people's thoughts with it um, being open to critique hearing that it's not working being able to say hmm I've tried this and this and this and I'm just pushing up against a wall um, what else can I look at and being able to back off and say maybe that's not going to work I think it's that real um, ability to be honest with yourself so it's sort of a strange mix of real discipline tenacity resilience some of those words that come up all the time but um you really need them um but that wonderful sort of space of going hey i don't have all the answers you know what what do other people have here and being willing to find those collaborative points and i think then the idea just gets better and better and better or it dies in the sand right in front of you and you go right well at least we found that out <laughs> let's look at something else so you've got to be able to yeah dance a little bit i think you've got to be a dancer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah Ooh, i like that <laughs> yeah yeah i think um it it must be really challenging to think I've got this amazing idea um to try and get it off the ground and then when you're testing it against people and they say well have you thought about this and what about that and you start to realize oh um you know there might be some speed bumps here um you know it's that's the part that maybe you know I guess makes the person you know or or you know it's kind of a, a tipping point isn't it where people can push through and pivot and try and find another way or kind of just give up or you know did you see magic moments happen when you're in that in that building with people um you know or ideas come out of um you know misery if you like you know when people think that they're you know it's all over and then something you know else happens were you witness to any of those kind of moments yeah definitely yep um I think there were a few moments like that um I know there was a um I'm just thinking sort of yeah there was definitely some people that had tried a business before it had um, gotten so far and then it had kind of fallen apart or you know it hadn't worked out quite the way they'd wanted it to and I think that had been difficult and that sort of stepped away from it and then come up with another idea that was just genius and they ran with that and it's turning into an incredibly successful business so I think sometimes it's you know it's a journey not the kind of goal destination of this idea has got to work it's more like okay what am I learning along the way and um, yeah this idea might not work in fact it possibly won't and most sort of I think ideas it's hard you know that one in a million kind of amazing idea that really just pops it's not usually an overnight success and it usually is lots of hard work and it's possibly 
the thing that you see as being the, the success has actually been on the back of, you know, 16 failures that you've tried out and tested and they haven't worked and you've gone back to square one. And um, so, yeah, some of that sort of definitely I've seen. But you've also seen those wonderful moments of, you know, people coming into the building like Petri Dish with just a, a really lovely idea that just builds and builds and builds and you see it just... Um, from the moment people sort of talk about it, you can just see everyone in the room nodding and going, oh yeah, and it's so simple, it's so clear, um, as often a good idea is, and then um, just watching it sort of you know, unfold, and that's just a gorgeous thing to see as well when you see people's ideas coming to life, so yeah. Man, what an inspiring place to work. Oh, incredible, yeah. <laughs> I felt just so lucky every day that I got to go to this wonderful you know, human incubator of like life and ideas and generosity and expertise. It was just a real, yeah, wonderful, wonderful space to be in. And so you founded the Think Lab, um, and I don't know if that was while from from Petri Dish or while you were there. Um, but yeah, tell me about the Think Lab and how it came to life. Yeah, well, the Think Lab sort of emerged on the back of. Um, the prop tech business that I started with a um, business partner that took us to Petri Dish and that was a real <laughs> hairy journey of like learning, um, lots and lots of learning, awesome learning and I stepped away from that business in the end um, but decided I wanted to create a space, I wanted to continue this sort of business journey so I started the Think Lab which is really a space that is trying to echo the way I live my life in some ways, um, how to build good ideas, how to collaborate, how to get that sort of think space happening for people. And at the moment, it's really sponsoring my own journey. <laughs> Not so much um, out there in, in the public eye, but it is um, percolating away with a few ideas at the moment. So I'm using it as my own little incubator to get a couple of ideas off the ground. So it's yeah, I really believe in this sort of space of how to communicate better with each other and how to get our ideas out of our heads and into reality. Whatever that looks like, it doesn't have to be a business. It could just be a, a yearning for, for writing a book or starting a new career or um, taking up a new hobby or just backing yourself, believing in yourself in some different way. How do you spark that sort of next step for yourself? So trying to think up ways that that can be um, supported mm -hmm. I think is where the Think Lab came from so it's uh, got a few a few things in the mix there so hopefully hopefully that space will be evolving over time but I, I have a little space on LinkedIn there that I just use as my sometimes sometimes ideas space and um, yeah but it's a watch that space situation right now yeah no I can totally appreciate how um, you know everyone does need at some point in their lives someone to sound out their ideas with and what you know as you say whether it's for a book or a new business or whatever it may be and um, having someone out there who has the understanding of how to kind of help you bring your ideas or crystallize your ideas into you know from some fluffy sort of dreamy concept into something you can actually um bring to life and enact it would be really useful i would i would totally appreciate uh you know the think lab services in that regard yeah <laughs> great okay first customer line up yeah <laughs> 
yeah, I'm always trying to get yeah. crazy ideas out of my head and actually making them, you know, workable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it's nice to even just get that validation that they're not crazy ideas, that they're actually, you know, there's lots of good good ideas in most people's heads. So it's like, um, yeah, how do you use those best for you? Yeah, and so... I guess, I mean, that sort of makes me think about, you know, lots of us are, you know, working the nine to five in various ways and, um, you know, but, you know, inside our heads, you know, there are, there are, people still have goals and dreams and what if kind of questions and, you know, the, I guess, I think that more and more there's this idea of potential and the concept of startups is actually becoming more, well known um and i think that the world of work is kind of evolving in that way there's this whole gig economy isn't there where people are doing um sort of shorter and shorter stints at places as they're kind of seeking or yearning or looking for something do you think the workplace is evolving um you know to to meet people's needs in that way in your experience um i think like most of us have experienced with, um, you know, COVID hitting businesses in particular, well, anyone that works obviously has had to rethink the way that they work, um, which I think has been really valuable. Not easy, but valuable. And I think it's forced change in certain environments that it would have taken a really, really long time to maybe see some of those changes happen. But I think ultimately what we're learning from it is just that humans we're not machines we don't actually function best in sort of like that nine to five um five days a week 40 hours a week sort of environment like it's just not doing our best work and i think um somebody said to me the other day something about look i know you sort of have to have a little sleep in the afternoon and um you're not always like on your game but like with your sleeping because i i have narcolepsy so i need to take little snoozes and um so that that interrupts my work day and they were saying but when you're on you're really on you you're much more productive than maybe somebody that's sitting there for five hours at a computer you know your two hours that you do is usually really really on and i think that's sort of part of what i think we're seeing more that sort of acknowledgement that actually choosing your own hours and maybe finding how that fits with your life and how it works with you as a person you can actually really enjoy your work a little bit more you can be more productive if you're able to choose that a bit more and yeah I think the workplace is understanding that a little bit more but I think we're still very much locked into an old model that needs to be a little bit more updated maybe updated Mm. and revised yeah so what do you think might need to be, what what are some of those updates you think might need to happen in order to kind of evolve some workplaces because I know there's some out there who've really pushed the boat out and have changed a lot in terms of the way they work but there's others who are sort of lagging and I think that they are starting to lose people you know people there's more of a turnover um in those kinds of a place places so what would you suggest um some businesses could do to just up their game a little um, I, I think one of I think one of the really important things is to um, make make the people your focus. Like I think if you can make the people that you work with and the people you're providing a service for your focus, 
then it's just going to work better. So if you <laughs> if you make that your center point, and I mean I'm experiencing this with the work that I'm doing at the moment, that um, if you actually give people the tools to say, well, how are you doing and what do you need, and that's how you kick off every single meeting that you have, then every person in that room has to not only check in with themselves to make sure that they're okay, but also they have to take responsibility for saying, well, actually, I, I need to have a coffee with me right now for me to be able to do this meeting. <laughs> Can I have five minutes to just go get myself a coffee? You know, being able to sort of say those things and be a human and your bosses or your um, management to be able to say, yeah, let's make sure everybody has what they think they need, then um, you've already started the day, like I think, with the right kind of attitude towards how you care for the people that work for you. I mean, if we make people our focus, everything else flows out of that. And I think it's just reminding ourselves that we're all humans that need a lot of a lot of care, and we can provide that if we um, yeah tweak things a little bit differently. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that's so simple, but so powerful. How are you, and what do you need? Imagine, just imagine, if every meeting you had, you were asked those two simple questions and everyone got to go around and say their answers to those, um, you would find out a whole lot about how your workplace was or was not functioning based on the fact that it's the people who are making it function or not, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. It is so simple and it really makes a, it's a game changer. You know, I really think it, it connects everybody in that room or everybody in that meeting because you're hearing important information. It creates a space where people know that they're going to be listened to that even if they don't say anything else in that meeting they've said one thing that's really important that is actually yeah I'm doing really good or I'm struggling um, and I'd like to talk to someone about that actually at the end of this meeting you know I mean just being able to say that out loud it's really big so yeah, yeah that would be my first port of call <laughs> yeah yeah I mean simple and powerful it really doesn't take that much I think you know that's that's an excellent takeaway already from this uh, podcast episode and so I guess that sort of brings me into asking you a little bit more about your work with Collaborate at The Well can you um, tell us a bit more about that because the first time I heard about it was on I think it was Seven Sharp um, correct me if I'm wrong it was on TVNZ something um, yeah. but yeah and I think it was Seven Sharp yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm pretty sure it was Seven Sharp and um, you know hearing about The Well being um, your The Well being refillery like a, it's a, a gym but you know, not for exercises, we're not, but for um, mental well-being. Can you tell us a bit more about that place and what your role is there? Sure. Yeah. No. It's a it's a really exciting space to be working in. Um, it's just sort of kicked off, so it's very new. But um, it comes on the back of a lot of uh, preparation that Collaborate as an organisation has been doing for the last probably, I want to say five years or so. Um, but I may be wrong. <laughs> um, just, uh, yeah, there've been different iterations of this gym, I think, over the last few years, and there's been lots of sort of testing out whether this is an idea of something, you know, this is good business, startup business stuff, um, testing out the idea, seeing if there's a market for it, seeing if it's a need that people have, and there definitely is a need for a space that is, um, I guess like a well, you go to the well to uh, refill your cup and um, 
you then take it back to your village or you take it back to your family, you take it back to your, your community. And that's the same idea with this uh, mental well-being space is that it's a gym that you can attend for your your mental health and um, looking at mental health in the same way that we look at physical health and saying that it's a um, there's a spectrum of good and bad. It's not a negative thing when we talk about mental health. It's actually we all have mental health. <laughs> yeah. Where where are the spaces that we can care for that care for that health? The same way that we go to a gym to, you know, shake it out or um, do a pump class or run for half an hour in our lunch break. Like, what if we had a space for our mental health that we could take half an hour out of our lunch break and go and do a yoga session or a reflective writing session or um, a moves and grooves, um, which is one of the ones I do, living room dance party sort of session. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really unique space and I think I'm one of the facilitators. There's, um, I think, six of us that are facilitators. I may be wrong. I'm just trying to count in my head. There's about <laughs> six of us um, and we run a series of sessions every week. So like a gym membership, you can sign up and, um, well, it is a gym, and uh, attend sessions during the week um, where you can pick and choose what you feel like. So yeah, maybe it is a, a meditation session first thing in the morning and then you feel like a reflective writing or a um, yeah, yoga session at lunchtime or something like that. So there's different offerings and it's, it's just a really, it's a wonderful offering I think in the middle of the CBD sort of here in Wellington. You can literally leave your office and be there in five minutes and be doing something for your mental well-being, which is just amazing. Wow, that sounds awesome. And so how's the attendance? Are you getting quite a few people popping in? Yeah, well, we I think we launched about six or seven weeks ago now, maybe. Oh, gosh, with lockdown, I'm losing, I'm losing my uh, <laughs> sense of time. But, yeah, we've been open for, for a couple of months now. And, um, yeah, just for the fact that we've only just launched, we've had a really, really successful sort of membership uptake and I think a lot of support. So yeah, sessions have been well attended and um, are continuing to be attended and I think word of mouth is a really big thing because if someone comes to one session, they're likely to bring back to their friends or their families or whoever they might be talking to, hey, come along, this was really fun. Hopefully that's what they're saying anyway. But um, <laughs> But yeah, it's it seems to be um, yeah working. I think it's a, a space that people are acknowledging is important. Mm. And do I mean what in your experience so far is the reason that seems to bring these people through the door? Why are they coming? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, I think. <sighs> It's a space that people seem to identify with as just for them. <laughs> um, and it's a space that you can go to that's not asking anything of you. You get invited to do whatever is in a session. So the whole setup of the space is an invitation. And um, so you can just turn up and sit there. You don't actually have to you know, participate other than just be. Mm. Um, and I think there's something really lovely about just being able to take that half an hour that's guided for you or facilitated in some way and you can participate however you feel you can participate. Um, and you don't have to pay for a coffee and you don't have to, you know, 
um, have to maybe tolerate someone sitting over there that you don't really want to be around in this cafe, but hey, you really like this cafe, you just needed a space to go to for half an hour in between meetings. Um, I think it's that whole sense of giving people space to guide us into those sort of relaxed moments or those sort of reflective moments that we don't often make space for in our lives. So it's a way to deliberately make that space. So I think people are really coming there with that appreciation for, thank you for making me sit down and just be for half an hour or for an hour or whatever it might be. Mm, Yeah. And I think, I mean, it sounds like it's contributing or it's part of that understanding that um, is growing in amongst a lot of people these days about the need to um, be mindful when we are just so consumed by our screens and our you know lives at work that actually um, as you sort of were mentioning earlier that you can be a lot more productive if you um, do the thing that you think you know it sounds like a bit counterintuitive but actually stop working take half an hour out to kind of reset or reframe your outlook and then come back into work you could actually get a lot more done and be a lot more productive be a lot more focused if you just take that time out <laughs> I know <laughs> it's it is like you say feels very counterintuitive um, and the only way it really works too is if you let go of the stuff that you have to do that you're you know feeling worried about or you're feeling pressured about if you take that half an hour and you're still thinking about that stuff then it's not actually giving you the break you need either so this is a space that probably actually does encourage you to refocus in a, in a way that maybe you wouldn't do by yourself it gives you a little bit of structure but it also allows you a lot of room to take what you need from it so yeah it, and it, I guess that way you can then go away and try to do that in your own time as well which is really lovely it's something that I guess sets up modeling for you to take into your own space and do your own at your own pace and in your own time as well yeah, I really like that, and I guess it's the kind of thing I'm. I'm assuming you don't need any special equipment. You don't need any like home gym style. You don't need dumbbells <laughs> and things. That, you know, you just need yourself. Yeah, yeah, I think mostly it's just about making that little bit of space for yourself, a little bit of time, and um, yeah, this is a, a sort of a guided way to do that. Yeah. And what do you find, or what do you hear, as sort of the things that are having the biggest negative impact on people's well-being lately um yeah i i can't be an expert on that um Mm -hmm. and i won't pretend to be i think my from my own perspective what i'm what i'm hearing or seeing from people is just a sense of pressure i think people's lives are very pressured Mm -hmm. um there's a sense that no matter how much you do it's never quite enough and we you know live with a lot of financial pressure i think we live in a a time when the things that are very necessary to our lives you know if you're going with the hierarchy of needs the old maslow hierarchy then your food your shelter your you know your basic sort of fundamental needs are some of our biggest expenses so to actually live food shelter we're already under a lot of stress and so everything else on top of that is obviously just compiled i think it's very difficult to feel like there is space in our lives to um, 
work on some of those, you know, like how do we de-stress, how do we make ourselves feel better. Uh, well, I don't even have time for that because I'm too busy making the money to just make sure I have a house, you know. Mm. And that's where I think our society's got some real um, big learning, big changes to make because we are putting pressure on those basic needs, which is which is scary when those basic needs are actually under massive pressure. Yeah. So, yeah, I think people just seem very tight, stretched as the words that I would use. I mm. think everyone's operating you know, with a low window of tolerance maybe or a small window of tolerance because just don't have much room for anything else. So how can we make that window bigger? How can we create a bigger space for people um, are some of the things that I guess I think about. Yeah, and I think, I mean, what what are you hearing from people in, you know, in the Wellington scene? Are there businesses that are recognising that or workplaces that are recognising that and are making changes to support people's well-being? I think so, yeah. I think Wellington's been quite, I mean, I, I think the, the Collaborate um, work that they're doing has uh, got some wonderful support behind it from various spaces in Wellington, um, spaces and places, businesses, people. Uh, but I think, yeah, and I think there is much more of a push now towards sort of well-being being part of a business's sort of like um, one of their top priorities for their staff, which is absolutely wonderful. And I think I've talked to a number of people in Wellington that are definitely a part of that sort of movement towards staff feeling like they've got space to do things, that they support things, that are well-being initiatives, etc. So that's great. I think there is definitely a move towards that. But I just think we've got to make it bigger. And and I think like we were talking earlier just about that whole check-in, which is definitely something that the Collaborate team do exceptionally well and have taught me how to do. Uh, you know, someone that came into it going, oh, why do I need to check in? I don't need to check in. I'm fine. Like, why, why do we spend this first five minutes checking in, you know, with each other? And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is fantastic. It's so important. So I think just adding in some of those little things into your workspace, I think, are things that we're seeing a little bit more of. And, mm. yeah, Wellington's quite progressive, I think, in lots of ways. And there is, I think, a bit of a shift towards that. That's really good to hear. And I mean, just that simple check-in um, phrase and questions, you know, is something that really doesn't cost anyone anything and could actually add a huge amount of value to uh, an organisation. And I know that there are, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of organisations out there supporting businesses with with well-being and, and um, things to do for people's well-being but it's more than just kind of adding a fruit bowl to the staff room isn't it like what <laughs> are there are there some I mean that, that's nice and that helps um it, that doesn't detract does. from well-being no, um no. but you know are there are there any more suggestions you have or one more simple um you know thing that maybe an organization could add into their routine that might contribute as well to people's well-being apart from you know the fruit bowl or the um you know the gym membership or something uh hmm yes that's putting me on the spot isn't it because i was yeah. going to try and come up with something just beautiful like a pearl of wisdom that you could take away everybody would be singing the same note at the end of this um i look i don't know but i do think that um i mean 
um, I think the way that you communicate with your staff or the way that you run a, a workplace, I mean, I think communication is one of the key sort of things that you can work on in terms of um, listening to what people need and again um, asking if there's things you can do. I mean, whenever I've, I've, I've felt very supported in workplaces where rather than sort of saying, hey, I've seen you haven't done this, could you get it to me? You know, like what's going on? Why is this not on my desk or whatever? Instead of saying that, you know, I've seen you haven't done this. Um, what can I do to help you? What sort of barriers are you facing at the moment? What's what's going on for you? Not that it's a mistake that you haven't done it, but more like, hey, there's obviously some barriers for you. Do you want to have a chat? What's going on? You know, mm. actually taking notice of this human being that might not be on top of their game. Well, rather than saying, hey, you're not on top of your game, say, why? And what can I do? How can we make it easier? Because then you've got a productive, wonderful human being that wants to help, wants to change, wants to do the work if they feel like they're being heard. So I think that communication level, just checking in again with people, I think is the, is yeah. the key. Yeah, no, I hear that. That's awesome advice. And um, so I guess something I'm interested in hearing from you also, because you work at this wellbeing gym um, and it's very new. What what do people get wrong or misunderstand about your work? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess um, it's sort of funny explaining it especially when I was sort of trying to learn it myself because I was doing the training for being a facilitator and so I was telling people, oh, I'm doing this training to be a facilitator for the well, which is a well-being gym. And they're like, a well-being gym? Like, what, what is that? Like, is that where you, what, what, what is a well-being gym? And I was like, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know yet. <laughs> I think it's a really good space. Um, yeah, I think... Mostly you have people really interested, like, oh, that just sounds really interesting. I don't get it yet. Like, tell me what that means. Um, but as soon as you start to sort of talk about, well, you know, a space where you can go to that's actually for your expression, connection, reflection, and, um, and relaxation, it starts to sort of trigger, I guess, people, regardless of whether they're getting it right or not, I think it's, it's taking them to the right space. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I guess when you say the well, it's um, it can bring up all kinds of conversations. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. Um, I guess I'm sort of at that point where I'm very interested to hear. You know, you've you've talked about you're saying you feel like you're hitting your stride now um, in in life. And so, what would you say to your 18 year old self if you could give yourself some advice? What would what would it be? Yeah, that's funny, yeah, because I actually, uh, yeah, I do feel like I'm hitting my stride. But then at some level, probably at every, every age, if you had this conversation with me, I'd have said, I'm just hitting my stride. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like it just gets better. But um, I think my 18-year-old self, I would, I would just say, because I, I don't think I'd do anything differently. Like, I, I really think everything that I've done, obviously, has brought me to this point. So I've made the right and the wrong decisions at every point in time for the right and wrong reasons, and this is why I'm here now. Uh, so I, I think I'd just say to my 18-year-old self, enjoy, enjoy what is happening in your life. Like, um, all of this is important, and... And just to, yeah, I think just, I, I think I have enjoyed 
my life to date, but I think that it's just, and also when things get tough, it will pass. You know, mm. this is temporary. And I think that's also really helpful for any stage in your life, just to let yourself know that this is temporary. Um, enjoy it when it's, when it's great and you can ride it out when it's not quite as easy. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's very, very sound advice. So I'm sure we could all appreciate not just your 18 year old self. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And especially, you know, in times like this, I mean, we know that we're, you know, we're in a, we're in a lockdown at the moment, but this too shall pass. Um, it, it's, it shall. <laughs> it's not, you know, it we've will. just got to, yeah, yeah, it will. And we'll just, you know, write it out and enjoy the, the change of pace and, or, um, you know, for those who are having a really tough time and it's, and it's not great for them that, um, you know, there is support out there um, and that this will pass as well. But yeah, it is hard when you're right in the thick of something to, um, to battle it through isn't it yeah yeah that is the time when you need maybe just a couple of other support mechanisms and I think this is where we you know might think we've got it but actually reach out to other people because they they will help it's, mm. it's important to reach out yeah absolutely and so I guess we've gotten to the point of this uh, our time together where I ask my favorite question that I ask everybody ooh, ooh. on the episode ooh, ooh. <laughs> and I'm really <laughs> interested yeah I'm interested to hear your answer to this so here yeah. we go what would you rather do steer the boat rock the boat build the boat or something else oh my gosh that is such a tough question Rowan <laughs> um because I'm quite a control freak in lots of ways. I'm quite relaxed on one level and quite a control freak. I mean, ideally, I wouldn't even be in the boat because I don't like boats and um, I love water, but don't put me on a boat. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I guess I'd, I'd either like to be the boat, you know, mm. so that I could be quite in control at some level, um, or definitely a navigator. I'm... I'd like to be able to at least work out where I'm going and know where I'm going. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think I'd want to be in charge in some way, which is not so much necessarily <laughs> needing to steer, but um, being the boat feels quite like I'm encompassing everything then. Yeah, I'm nice. not a rocker. I don't need to rock the boat. But I do like to know what's happening. So yeah, being the boat. Sounds like I'd have all the information. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, I can totally understand that. Cool. And then, yeah, if someone else started steering, you could, at, you know, at any point take back control as soon as you are the boat. Yeah, yeah, the boat gets to choose, right? Yeah. It's like, we're just staying still. We're going to ride this out for a bit longer. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, oh, yeah, and I like that. You just go with the flow, you know. The boat will just ride through the storm. Mm. nice one I like it well look thank you so much for uh, coming on and having this conversation I've learned a whole lot and I'm really excited next time I'm in Wellington to pop into the well and see what it's all about do it would be lovely to see you there yeah it's an amazing space I recommend anyone to check it out if they're in Wellington or passing through absolutely awesome well thank you so much for joining me Thank you so much for having me. Lovely to chat with you, Rowan. Likewise. You have been listening to Woe, Women On Air. You can search for our page on Facebook and we are at woe underscore podcast on Twitter. 
New episodes are available from the ORFM Dunedin website, oar.org.nz, and wherever you find your favourite podcasts. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin, with support from New Zealand On the Air.